0: Today's episode is a really fun talk with Nalan and Ola from Infuse about agile software development and automated testing and shifting quality to every part of the software development cycle. Welcome to testing code. I've got a couple people today on the podcast from Infuse, and it's a test automation company. Actually, I think it's a test automation company. I've just learned a little bit about it, but I've got Nalin and Ola. Is that right? Yeah. We're going to talk about test automation, but before we get started, I'd like to know a little bit about both of you. So, Nalin, can you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. My name's Nalin Harbu. I'm from uh, a town called Leicester, which a few years ago was famous for winning a Premier League soccer title here against all the odds and a small provincial club. Basically, I've been in London 20 years, educated in London, studied a master's degree, and I am the CEO of Infuse Consulting. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, Ola? Hi, my name is Ola Miale, and I'm actually a newbie in software testing. I um, originally, my background is more in social sciences, but I was employed in Infuse and now I'm a software, I sell software. Software testing um, tools, and yeah, I'm just here to learn and hear, think, hear the new information that's out there.
0: Well, that's awesome, and um, Nalin is going to help us with uh, learning more about test automation, and it's something I'm passionate about as well. So I'm really excited to hear somebody else's perspective. Well, let's jump into uh, test automation. So, are you the CTO or CEO? What's your title again?
1: I kind of uh, have a couple of titles. Right, you know, I'm, I'm what I call the CEO, but I don't do much executive work. It's more chief everything officer. Uh, you know, <laughs> so we are we are the we are the 20 year old startup, right? So, uh, you know, we we we're not a a massive company. We're about 50 people between here in India, and I still take a very active role in terms of product development in terms of uh, looking at the market and the strategy and where we need to go as a business. And then, yeah, and then I, and then I get involved with the other bits, right? The, to the sales, the marketing, what I call the everything bit. And then from time to time, I do a bit of executive work, right? But really, uh, I, I would say I'm still in chief everything mode, sort of chief executive mode.
0: Okay. Well, before, so have you been with uh, Infuse for the whole duration?
1: I am, yeah. I'm one of the founders and the owner. So I started the business in... Uh, a place called Canada Water in London 18 years ago in my lounge and I'm actually sitting in our original office as we speak which okay. is uh, my spare bedroom. We've now moved to the more modern climes of an area called Shoreditch which is a bit of a hipster town and village although abandoned at the moment during COVID times but it's a bit of a, a fun part of town a bit like your Meatpacking district in New York. Oh okay. Yeah. How did you get into test automation? In the first place? Bit of a funny journey, I think. I'm 47 year old, Brian. So, uh, you know, you don't design, start off a testing career when you're 27, 28, 29. I I got into IT at a young age. You know, I was coding and stuff on the BBC Micro Model B. I don't know if you remember these machines in the US, but, you know, there there was coding in BASIC uh, as a young lad and then got in, did a master's degree and then was still coding in that. and, And then basically, did a masters, then thought right, I'll, I'll become a developer. The developer, and then I'll become a CTO, and I'll become a CIO, and that'll be my career. And I was working in a town called Coventry, and I apologize to my West Midland friend from down the road, but, uh, but you know I didn't like it, right? Not a very nice place. I've been in London seven years, and I uh, was desperate to get into London, so I applied for a job for a company based in the northwest in a town called Preston, which is near Manchester. And they said they were opening a London office. So I went up there and I presented some ideas around componentization of software and APIs and, and how things will be plug and play. And they said, you can have the job. And I thought, yeah, this is great. They go, you're going to be a consultant? I go, that sounds great being a consultant. 26 years old. And then they put me on this course for a product called Test Director. Which if anyone's been around testing long enough, it's a product by Mercury, which became Micro Focus today. And then I was like, damn, Tester, right? It's not <laughs> what I wanted to be. Yeah, <laughs> and so my my father said to me, he "Goes to me, don't don't just discount it, right? He Goes to me, you know, you you might find a niche. So give it give it a go, right? Before you, you know, before you quit." And day week week one, so I gave it a few months and uh, found the opportunities offered by you know tools like WinRunner. I started working with embedded systems and then automated testing of embedded systems and working in automated testing of ticketing machines, ticketing gates, and all sort of interesting, fun coding. Nerdy stuff, really. So I, I found a niche, and I like, and it was complicated. It was challenging, and so I thought, this is really, really good fun. And then the company I worked for, which was a pure play testing company, wanted to put me on manual test projects. I'd spend a lot of time writing scripts to automate it. So the sales guy and I would have lots of fights because I'd ruin all the billing, right, by automating the test. He'd <laughs> be like, yeah, it'd be like oh, you're meant to do it manually. I'd be like, no, well, I've automated it. And i am like, like going, well, you've ruined the billing. And I'd be like, going, well, we've got to, you know, don't put me on these projects. <laughs> that kind of went on.
0: This should do it like um like you know auto mechanics do and just um have a uh, a fixed hour per thing even if it only takes 5 minutes it's billed as an hour or something like that.
1: Output based testing, right? Yeah, uh, you know, you you know, finish a job it's uh you know whether it's in a in a month or a day it's 500 bucks, right? Or <laughs> pounds or whatever, right? Yeah, so this happened a few times so I ended up company, climbing the testing ladder as a test manager. Trying to create the revolution going, every company I would join, you've got to automate all your testing. And then obviously the rest of the program team would go, yeah, you can do that right at the end when we've screwed everything up, got a little bit of budget, do some automated regression tests. That was yeah. my frustration for many, many years, right, Brian? And I had visions, you know, like I could integrate this into, you know, uh, old build tools like Ant, if you remember them back in the early 2000s and stuff like that. So those were the kind of things I was going, right, let's use these build tools. Let's integrate automated testing. Let's do load testing within the container and all this stuff. And no one really wanted to listen to that. They said, "Let's no, just, just test it at the end, right?" And do your performance testing at the end, and do your regression testing at the end. Oh dear. Okay. And um, and that was kind of you know the story of testing. Really, I thought. Now, around what time?
0: When was this, or about what, it, what? What year? So
1: this would have been about nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and one. Okay, I mean, that, that sounds that, about that, right. That this was all going on, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and so I started Infuse in February 2002, Okay, and, and the vision was really great, an automated testing company. It will do performance testing, we will hire technical people, we will hire these, things, these people called solution engineers, and they will be a little bit of dev, technical testers, they'll be able to see the life cycle, and they'll be able to change and revolutionize the world. In small pockets, we were able to do that, right, but on the large programs at the large companies like your Fortune 500, 300 100 companies yet to toe the line with all the big system integrators, right?
0: It takes a long time to change the behavior of a big company. It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then- the timing was interesting. If I remember right, uh late 90s ideas like extreme programming and notions from pragmatic and stuff were coming coming in and lean programming and uh stuff like that were helping to legitimize software testing. Or automated testing, at least. And there were, were, yeah. there were at least some efforts to do more automation in the development cycles.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the jobs I did do in the late 90s was with a bunch of guys where, where we were practicing XP, doing pair programming, sitting down and, and working closely with developers and business people, what I would call early forms of scrum, really, right? You know, yeah. Trying to work collaboratively. But, you know, that was uh, in a startup environment right in in the what I call the legacy environment the the corporate environment it was very
0: very different yeah definitely I know this interview isn't about me uh, working for large companies essentially small groups within large companies pretty much my entire career started in 96 but the push for automation has been developer a developer effort I think because it's just a faster way to develop stuff to automate your tests oh, you're right
1: brian yeah it's definitely uh been a push i think they're the, the modern developer and, and and there's been a lot of guys you know around that sort of vintage around between 96 and 2000 you know they, they're they're kind of around between 45 and 50 years old today right and they were there was a big push around trying to do sort of a tdd right test driven development back in those days right which is where we sat down and we would do the pair programming. We would look to design the tests earlier on, get involved with the business, and drive. You're right. Without without the efforts of the developer community to promote automated testing, the business by the time you know get testing, you need to automate. It's already too late, right? Because you've you've already shipped the code. the The actual efficiencies early in the lifecycle, right? Writing those API tests, those unit tests. So developers really really had to get bought into this situation, right? To make it work, make it fly. And it's through that change in engagement, to be honest, that actually Infuses had some more success because we now engage with a community that speaks similar language, right? We you know we engage with technical people. You know, our, previously our head of customer, our customer was a head of testing, a program test manager. Now our customer is a head of engineering. Oh, interesting. And that helps. And, and that head of engineering person is a, is a strong believer of okay, you do automated testing. I want to hear what you can help me with STEPs and frameworks and efficiencies and driving quality engineering. And those were stories that you didn't hear from your traditional test manager, right? Because he was receiving the waterfall model or, or the V model of testing would say one thing, but the reality was is testers got ship code and the requirements, they had very little input into it, even though they should have been involved, right? They were like going, but the requirements are rubbish and the code's rubbish. Well, it doesn't matter. Just test it, right? It doesn't go live. It's going to be your fault.
0: I was always amused by the, the V model. So they basically take the waterfall model and then put a bend in it halfway through and call it something different. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's just got a bend in it. Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. I first tried PyCharm when they started supporting PyTest many years ago. Their support for PyTest is now amazing. I was a long time Vim user, so next I needed to test the IdeaVim plugin. So all of my finger muscle memory still worked while editing. Check, it works great. There's lots of reasons to love PyCharm, but for me, it is because they have the absolute best user interface for test automation. Then I learned many more ways PyCharm can save me time, like really great support for editing Markdown, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, remote connections to database, and amazing version control support. Really, it's the best Git diff tool I've ever used. And now version 2020.3 is out, and the shift shift, the find anything key sequence, even lets you search Git commit messages. What even? That is so awesome. Tons of other cool features have been added in 2020.3. Check it out and I hope you enjoy it at com slash PyCharm. A lot of your career sounds like, um, or at least your early career, was fighting against uh, the inertia of uh, relying on manual testing. Yeah, the
1: thing about Infuse is that we were always about automation performance. So naturally, that, in the early start early part of our company career i'll take what i call the infuse 1.0 days right between 2002 and 2009 a lot of the work you pick up is at the end of the project so you know about a big program I work and uh, you know it's going to run for three years but your opportunity was going to come two and a half down years down the line because that's when they were interested in automation yeah. we never set out to supply you know what we call uh, you know two bob apenny testers right, uh, or or two-cent testers, you may call them in the, in the U.S., right? You know, which is, you know, d- 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 here's a bunch of testers. They're all manual. They'll follow this process, and they'll execute it, and they'll run it 50 times, right? Or however, and we'll scale up. We just never, my business vision was never to deliver that. It was to drive innovation by shifting left. And I just felt at the time that the, my vision and the state of what I call the delivery at the time just wasn't there. And I think now we are in a better better aligned place, right, with where IT deliveries going. They want to do agile. They want to DevOps. They want testers to get involved in the story. Their ceremonies like three amigos, and they're really important. And the teams aren't, you know, 200 people. They're like squads of 10, 12, right, or or even less. And that seems to work better.
0: I'm going to take a quick, just because we, we you brought up the phrase shift left, and I don't think we've ever defined it on the show so far. What's your notion of what shift left means?
1: To me, uh, shift left is about looking at the cause and start of quality, right? So, and shift left is all about starting off with quality, and, and often people think that starts off with requirements, and and it does, right? But but actually, in my view starts off with architecture, right? That starts off the notion of you know, you could have a tough architecture and great requirements, and it's not going to be very good, right? And so, choices like uh, an integration platform, whether you go ESB or, you know, or whether you go or something else, right, will make big de- big decisions, big, big impact on your applications, right? So, you know, you could go something like a Confluent or, or you could go for a traditional ESB platform and, you know, you could scupper your, scupper your great program just through choice of, through that architectural choice, right? And that's not necessarily a requirement or business requirements-based decision. To me, the shift left starts, goes, that's where it starts. It's about implementing quality decisions, choices, and requirements throughout the software engineering
0: process. Right. So we're shifting that quality behavior left through. The, if we consider the life cycle of a of a product from left to right, we're shifting the quality ideas as far left as we can, and actually throughout the whole thing, just smearing quality all over the place.
1: Correct. Yeah. 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 Not like a Nutella, but you know. The, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think. I think the buying for quality needs to come coming at a business level. If you were going to buy a house, you wouldn't say build it with crap material or bridge. Right? So even a, a minister would say, okay, you know, we uh, would have input into the quality of some of those decisions. In IT, an executive, a finance person, or an CEO will kind of, you know, let not have an input into that decision, and should should be a little bit accountable for those quality decisions, right? Um, so, so you're right. So it is smearing. Quality up the chain and making everyone accountable as a team for that quality output.
0: I think of it also as uh, being able to utilize starting to build the uh, test automation as soon as you can because it will then you can use it as regression, you can keep running it. And the other thing is around that is you can discover problems and solve them when you have enough time to solve them, like uh, API decisions. Sometimes If you've already got partner companies looking at your product, maybe that's too late to change an API, so you want to be testing far earlier than that. One of the other things that you brought up in the conversation was the two titles, developer and tester. And I kind of think of those as merging into one, but there's a lot of companies that still have those very
1: separate. Yeah. I used to have a guy when I was first developing, I was writing APIs for a cider company, called uh, Bulmers. They make a cider called Strongbow. The UK is quite famous, and I was writing these APIs for them and in, uh, in or, or interfaces as they were at the time, right in the lab. And every time there was a defect in my code, the test used to come up, and he used to always dress like in the Blues Brothers black suit, yeah. And when he found a defect, he used to put on the hat, put on the shade, and come over to my desk, right. And that was kind of a, uh, and that was good fun way of kind of doing testing right come over you see him coming in the corner of your eye he was quite a robust chap right big chap and you see him walking towards you and you're like going damn I've, uh, he's found something right and, and, you, <laughs> and you did yeah yeah and, and so the aim was always like I, I don't want him to put in the hat and, glass. and but it was quite good fun working in that type of environment there is a, a melding of the of the two you know and, and people have called it aesthetic. I think there still needs to be some separation, though, right? But, uh, because they are two different qualities, right? Because you've got the person that writes the code, and you've got the person that kind of needs to validate that code is written to requirements, meets the user story, is written in a good way. You know, the unit test is well written and executed, and then looks at it from a different point of view. And I, and I, and I don't think this is um, particularly a mindset issue. It's more of a focus issue in a mode where you're creating code in your writing functions, that you need to go in a certain way. So you, so I think the the line of separation is, is I think there is what I call this, uh, there is this merger of the two. But I still think there's a separation of roles within the team of the quality engineer and, and the developer and okay. the software engineer. I advocate myself that people should have the skills to do all the roles. And also there's no harm in people popping roles, right, in terms of context switching. Yeah. All those but, roles. Yeah,
0: well, So maybe the roles, maybe it does make sense to have the roles still there in some cases, but the skill sets are, are very, very similar because with automated testing, the person writing the tests is writing the writing software. They're just writing software to test other software.
1: Correct. I'm in violent agreement.
0: There's some companies that treat, like you said, an, like an SDET sort of thing, software developer and test. And that's, thought of in some companies as a superset, like somebody that has all the software skills, but they also have this testing mindset that is good. And they know how to do all of that and talk with people. There's communication skills as well that go along with that. So it's a superset, but there's other companies still, I think, or at least there have been that I've seen in my past career that still think of the software testing role as a, like a lower thing. But maybe that's just a U.S. thing and not an international.
1: It isn't, uh, Brian. It's definitely here and and definitely in India, because <laughs> so, that's where we're hiring, right? So, uh, so I think it's a I think it's an international thing. I think there is, um, you know, we have seen some of our estates leave and say, "I want to be a developer. So you are writing code, but I want to write apps." You know, so so I've lost I've lost talent to, you know, inverted commas the development right yeah and i'm like but you let code uh, in confused right doing automated tests you're, you're a developer right like well i want to code right and i'm like i guess it's just a question of there's a bit of a mindset issue but i think also within you know the challenges for the for the big companies that have you know teams of testers or lots of testers you know what i call those not the s- small companies because they're a bit more adaptable but you know what i call the medium and, and larger companies They've got these reams of testers with lots of business knowledge. They've been there lots of years, and they they need to repurpose these people, right, into into this modern world of smaller teams and iterative life cycles. So there's some of that, right? I think there's a, there's just going to be a natural shift over time where I think these things will move. So you know, if if in our product team at Use Mango, we don't have a classic tester role, all developers do test. So you know, we've got yeah all, all six of them they all do testing right there's no tester classic role right yeah okay yeah and they all do devops and uh you know so they all do infrastructure as code they all do development and they all do testing i have on on occasion yeah you know gone to our principal product architect i said uh do you need a tester and he goes to me we're all testers i'm like okay that's, 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 you know so yeah uh,
0: and and they're doing stuff right. Do I need another person? Yes, I'll take another person. I'll take another person. I'll
1: take another person and they've gotta be, you know, what they gotta do all roles,
0: right? Sounds great. And actually I think it's more fun because there's times I like to jump back and forth. I do both. I think they're both fun and some days I'm I'm feeling like uh being picky and writing a bunch of tests and sometimes I feel like I I need to just focus on the C plus plus code and stuff like that. So But the one of the things I was curious about is um, this, um, so uh, there is, I wanna make sure that we cover a couple of things. One of them is really what is automated tested? How is automated, test, automated testing different than manual? And then also how are we doing in your view of it, the world, as much as you can determine, are we getting better as a, as a whole, as a software development community and doing test automation? Let's start with what it is. If somebody, like you said, used to get hired
1: at the end and people would say, automate our tests. Yeah. What does that mean? So automated testing, in, in, uh, and, and still, still is today, which we'll, I know we'll cover a little bit in your, your point, but you know, uh, automated testing. And I've heard the phrase DevOps in North American customers and, and the UK uh, by both nationally, effectively being regression testing, Yeah, mainly around the UI what I call the upside-down pyramid, right, where there's a low coverage of unit tests, low coverage of API tests, and testing validation is done through the black box, which is normally through the UI. Typically done by business users or by specific manual testing specialists using text-written scripts, using written procedures, executing the same thing again and again and again. And so when I've heard automated testing and, and automated testing, projects that we sold for that first seven, eight years, right? I mean, it's a, I've got 400 regression test scripts, automate them. Uh, I run them once a quarter, once a month, whatever it is. And I want get, to get that time down and free up these resources. That's kind of automated testing has been. be. Now it covers the whole facet class of classes of tests, not to, to be confused by English class thing, that one's better than the other, but, you know, different different types of testing, right? Uh, you know, so, so you've got the unit testing covers the smallest increment of code, typically white box written by a developer. You've got the API testing. And then you've got still some UI testing, but is normally quite basic. And then you've got the concept of end-to-end, which is kind of your traditional black box UI testing. But the premise of that being that you have a larger coverage towards the bottom of that pyramid in unit and API and, and system testing, and then a, a less coverage from from the end to end perspective. Depending on the depending on the, you know, things like unit test coverage and, and and also business confidence, right? And then typically from that point of view you still get the UAT phase, especially on large project businesses will still want to do their UAT to validate that those processes fit their purpose, right? UAT what's that? That's user acceptance testing, yeah. Normally done by business users, right? Okay. so, so that's typically still done outside sprint right in large programs anyway that i see so that's kind of uh what i see the other thing i've seen is what we call the mullet i don't know uh <laughs> what, yeah the mullet is you know kind of got short thing in the front and long flowy bits at the back which is what we call agile at the front and waterfall at the back yeah and uh and <laughs> okay. and, and, and 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 i call that the, the mullet methodology right so you know you do your unit testing you says test testing typically within your agile sprint It then drops out into what I call a system integration testing and UAT as a a horrific word. They call it sprint, but, you know, I want to call it the waterfall bit, yeah, where you do system integration and UAT and they follow. And then uh, if there's any defects raised, it goes back into the sprint, right, as uh, as backlog Oh, I love that.
0: I've also heard uh, water wheel. That might be different, but so the, the water wheel was requirements go in and then a scrum team pretends that they're doing agile. And then they spit it out to the tester at the end.
1: A CIO about five years ago talked about, we're not doing Agile with a capital A, we're doing Agile with a small a. It was a very interesting education in in the alphabet of of capitalization. (laughs) I have no clue what he was talking about, right? Just went, yeah, okay, whatever, mate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He was from one of those uh, large system integrated companies where, you know. They have a, a lot of phrases uh, thrown at them, right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, mullet. I like the mullet method. I'm going to use that. That's kind of how I've seen test automation kind of uh, go the ways. There. In terms of what we see now in terms of projects, we see a combination of both, actually. We see a demand for SDET joint to join Scrum teams to kind of come to help out in testing backlog. We also see people who are transitioning to Waterfall, but they've had a, they've got a legacy of end-to-end tests in the ui so they're trying to do that sort of regression test automate that regression test while trying to keep all the new tests automated as well the other thing i've seen is that i've seen within scrum team they've changed the sort of approach and they've changed the organization but the people refuse to change right so you know i've heard developers saying i'm not writing unit tests because that stops me creating yeah which kind of buggers up things really. right (laughs) sideways because it's like okay well you still want to create the same way that happens as well. So. So there's all sorts of funny vagaries that, you know, even if you're doing capital A Agile or lowercase A Agile or whatever it is, right, Like the people still don't change, right? I think a lot of people, as I speak to execs, I always say, if you can't change the people, change the people, right? Because, um,
0: yeah, <laughs> interesting. I haven't heard that before. I had I had heard before, if you can't change your company, then change your company. Yeah.
1: yeah. I've got a good question. What, what would you describe as an agile team, like oh, agile transformation? I read it, I hear it about it a lot. I see it a lot. How would you describe it?
0: The agile Manifesto happened, yeah, I don't know, in the 80s, 90s. Um, and there were a lot of people trying to work on lightweight processes, like similar to uh, Scrum was one of them, but there were there's many that fall under this category. These are basically reactions to Waterfall and reactions to the idea of doing massive design up front and then developing. So the more notion, it's an iterative process. So really a lot of people think of all of the iterative processes as sort of agile because we can take some a little bit of the requirements that we've got and uh, fine tune them, implement them, make and do what I think of an agile team as somebody that's doing testing throughout development and then biting off a little piece of the requirements at a time, making sure these are clean and always having uh, DevOps is kind of part of it, is always having a working solution throughout the whole thing. But really what an Agile team is, is a, some people say if I'm using Jira, I'm an Agile team. Uh, Nalan, do you have a different take on this?
1: Yeah, people, anyone using Kanban, right? They could be using Trello and they're like an Agile team as well, right? So, uh, you know, or anyone that uses a Post-it, Post-it note. I've got Post-it notes now, so therefore I'm Agile, right? I, I have seen it. I have seen it that ridiculous. I agree with you brian it's, it's really the point around agile is, is a set of practices to kind of create small releases of working product so rather than spending you know five million dollars and 19 months uh and, and the business has changed right so you know creating the ordering system for black blockbuster while netflix taking over the world is probably not what you want to be spending your money on right then it's about recognizing yeah. those There's changes in need and adapting to it. For
0: me, being able to adapt is a key part of it because that's where the name Agile kind of comes from is agility of being able to change course quickly. If any process during the fight, uh, like an end-to-end test or close to -to end-to-end, if you're using an API and you find that it's clunky and you want to change the API, if there's no way to do that because of all the process involved, I don't think you can consider yourself Agile. That's a personal litmus test of my own. So.
1: You're right, Brian. And, and I see a lot of people saying there's a lot of what I call a mispronunciation of Agile. And I think the, the point around it is not to create huge layers of bureaucracy, right? There's things like uh, in, in Agile that, have, that do create layers of bureaucracy, like scale, right? I have been to many a customer where you know, I speak about scale Agile. When I say scale Agile, I mean it in the literal way. We're going to do Agile across many teams. But obviously, safe, people think it means safe. And I've had violent reactions from many a customer going, if you're implementing safe here, mate, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's way more red tape than we had before Agile. And, and I think people that uh, I can I can see when you're spanking lots and lots of money as a CFO and a CEO, you want to know where it's going. But I think Agile still has a lean process it's just about, making those tools come together and report in the right way without having these massive layers of bureaucracy, right?
0: Yeah. Do you think we're winning the battle? That's a really good question.
1: I go to some customers and uh, I feel yes, right? And then uh, I, I go to some customers and feel, I think in terms of in terms of where we, are we winning the battle? I think it is. I think it's uh, slow. It's happening, but it's going to take a while, right? Because there's a vested interest, among people right and I think some of it also comes from our corporate culture as well and it's not to be a political thing but you know if you go in as a CIO or CTO you're in for an amount of terms you want to hit a number of metrics whatever it is low cost you know lowered cost offshore labour arbitrage or hit this business metric and then you're off ski. and so inevitably the lack of long term stability within organisations and agile winning in its truest form. I mean, and, that, and reasons why companies like Facebook and Amazon do it is because they've got a leader who's been there 10, 20 years, right, and driving that process. And they keep their teams together for a long time as well. So inevitably, there's always going to be limitations, right, just by the nature of the economies that we run, right? That's not too, that's not political broadcast. It's just the reality of what we are, right, in this. That's what I think prevents Agile from being really successful, right? You know, to get it really efficient and keep teams together, and and that's not just, you know, that's not just teams developing product. That's entire teams, right? Organizations. And there's probably just a, a bit too much, uh, too much flux sometimes, right?
0: I think eventually we'll get there. I think we need to do better about teaching test processes and stuff like that to people right out of, like, right when they're learning code in boot camps, we should teach it then. And learning code in school, we should teach them then. And then the entire culture eventually will change. We have similar thoughts on this, and I think uh, we could BS for hours on this, and especially if we could kick our feet up with a couple of pints, be awesome. But I do want to kind of wrap things up. I want to give you the opportunity, because I really appreciate your time, I'd like you to tell us what Infuse offers people, where they can find more, and just pitch, sort of thing.
1: Sorry, no Brian. Yeah, so Infuse is a modern software delivery company. As you may have heard in this podcast, we started off. Automation and performance testing. And uh, one thing about test automation is that it brings you all sorts of interesting challenges, right? You find out about test environments, you find out about test data. Naturally, that leads you into DevOps and test data management, test environment management, and then even architecture. So, we're now what I would call a quality engineering company. We help businesses transform into modern software practices. And we've implemented a lot of uh, companies going, applying these practices, migrating to cloud. To function as a service, implementing test automation. And then while we've been on that journey, we've also created a scriptless test product called Use Mango. So that enables your non technical tester to enable to get to grips with uh, tools like Selenium and uh, be able to work with a ready made framework out of the box, be able to drive and build automated web tests or tests on their mobile phones, and uh, essentially enables those people with regression tests to drive to automate that testing right because that backlog still does exist in the industry so that's what we do you know? we're based in uk and in india we're headquartered in london and we've got a office in pune and bangalore as well and we have uh was in the us as well so i guess we're yeah we are we are well international probably yeah i would say us europe and uh middle east yeah <laughs> but yeah but I would say that we are. I'd like to think of the company as uh, big enough to deliver, but small enough to care, right?
0: And and, that, and that's what we do. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you. No worries. yeah. And thanks for taking the time to talk with us today.
1: No worries, Brian. Uh, yeah, and I just thought uh, I'd throw in you. Infuse.it is our URL. So if you need more information, feel free to go there. Yeah,
0: and if somebody's just curious to talk or somehow contact you, do you have a, any way that people can ask you a
1: question or anything? I'm available on LinkedIn, right? Typing in Nalin probably isn't very helpful for, for my non-anglo-saxon audience uh my, my surname <laughs> is the differentiator so uh you know i'm the only only one of two pavos on google in the planet there's someone else uh, all the spelling of my surname too but papa alfa romeo brava hotel uniform uh my name's nalin uh, you can reach out with me on linkedin I'm on uh, you know you can contact me on the website as well what
0: we do is we've got guest bios on our website and so people can check the show notes and click your picture. And uh, they can get that link right there. So we'll put that right there. Norris. Brilliant, Brian. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you, both of you, for sh- Thank you. being on the show. Cool. Thank you, Nolan and Ola. Fun talk. Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring the show. Try PyCharm yourself at testandcode.com PyCharm. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for your amazing, and enduring support of the show. Truly incredible. Join them at testandcode.com support. Thank you to all the great people answering questions in our Slack channel. We now have 895 members and many heroes there helping people every day. It's awesome. Join the conversation at testandcode.com slash Slack. Show notes for this episode are at testandcode.com slash 139. That's all for now. Now go out and test something.